good, everybody? Welcome to the Niners Nation podcast. This is the Gold Standard Podcast, episode number 28, the Jet McKinnon edition. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, is Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Oh, just the sky. I don't know what else. Man, that was oh, weak. That yeah, was that's very weak. weak. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to throw it to me differently. Well, you got to be on your toes here. Look, you can't Jimmy Garoppolo me. I can't. I need you to make a play when not everything around you is perfect. You're Garoppoloing right now, and it's killing the pod. Are you saying my ankle hurts? <laughs> <laughs> it, well, you're still here, so even if it does hurt, you're not. Uh, you're not pulling a Jimmy. So we appreciate that. A couple different things we want to get to on today's show. There's a poll on NinersNation.com that I want to talk to you about. How confident are you that Shanahan and Lynch are the right people to help the 49ers win a Super Bowl? A lot of people chiming in on that, so we'll get to that. I want to get to this idea of whether or not the 49ers are a destination team that guys around the league are going to want to come and flock to because, for example, J.J. Watt is out there, and he's going to obviously want to go to a contender. I don't know if the Niners fit that description right now. I don't know if players see it, and I don't know if players are recruiting other guys to come to San Francisco like they are a Super Bowl team. So there's a couple different things, and I have a crazy quarterback idea, too, that you don't know about that I'm going to spring on you to get your reaction. But let's start with the poll question, Levin. Let me ask you your answer. How confident are you that Shanahan and Lynch are the right people to help the Niners win a Super Bowl? Very confident, somewhat confident, not very confident, or zero confidence? Uh, me personally, very confident. I don't see how you could answer this question differently. They literally made a Super Bowl and they came in and took over a team that was a horrendous roster. And three years later, they were in the Super Bowl. I don't know how you could answer this any differently. Are there things that I don't like that they've done? Certainly. Are there things that I think could be concerning uh, down the road? Things with like Shanahan's ego? Yeah. But you have to answer that it's very likely because or very confident because they've literally been in a Super Bowl already and should have won that Super Bowl. Ah, see, should have, but didn't. And that's a very, very fine line. So far, 67% of everyone that responded is very confident, uh, somewhat confident in second place then not very confident. And zero confidence has just 1% of the votes. I don't know how you could be zero have zero confidence. That makes no sense to me, given everything you just said. Honestly, I feel like I will be able to answer this a lot more definitively once we get through this offseason. Like, uh, if they go through the whole offseason and Jimmy is still the quarterback, I won't be very confident in them. I will be somewhat confident. I will bump my answer down because I just feel like they can't keep making the same mistake over again. And that would be something that I feel like this regime has done, whether it's in-game decision-making or roster construction, taking chances on injured guys. They seem to constantly be doing the same thing over again, and that does not inspire a lot of confidence with me. But they've literally been in a Super Bowl. But be before I really get into that, the 1% is probably just Grant Cohn. But <laughs> <laughs> moving on from that, <laughs> they've literally been in a Super Bowl. We're in position to win that Super Bowl. I get that there are concerns I think the one thing you mentioned is the is the thing that is a potential changes your mind down the road, which is, is Kyle's ego going to get in the way of getting the right quarterback? Like, 
that is a legitimate question that we have discussed on this podcast. I think just last episode, we talked in length about how Kyle might need to give up the decision on who the quarterback is. That's the only concern, though, and they've literally already been on the cusp of making that question not even a possibility because they won a Super Bowl. You know, so I don't see how you could be anything but very confident. I can understand that there's things down the road that could change things. People change. Like a lot of these decisions that they make in draft, things like that, some of it's luck. Let's be honest. Like Mm -hmm. nobody's perfect. People who are dominant in the draft, yeah, they're better at it, but they still have misses. Injuries happen that could ruin what would have been a great draft pick. So, yeah opinion can change down the road and in retrospect look back and be like well they didn't didn't work out but right now the only answer that i think is logical is very confident it is amazing to me that the whole season turns on whether or not this team can get 16 games of average quarterback play it doesn't have to be 16 games from one guy But if they can get 16 games of average quarterback play, which to me, I think is what they pretty much got from Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019. I mean, they go from a potential double digit loss team to a double digit win team. And all they need is just average quarterback play. Do they get it from 16 games? I don't know. I don't feel super confident right now, but, but I feel like Kyle and John have to realize that by now that that is your biggest priority. Yeah, and there's a lot of different ways. Like, yes, I would like an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. I would love Deshaun Watson. I would like somebody like Justin Fields, even, you know, uh, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson. All of those would make me feel good. I will argue that if they get Trey Lance, you, you might keep Jimmy around. And if Trey Lance blossoms or looks like he can do it as a rookie, you can always trade Jimmy Garoppolo in season. He's already been traded in season once in his career. Like, I don't think you necessarily have to make that decision, but I will say like, even if they don't get any of those rookies, they don't get to Sean Watson. They got to bring in a competent backup. And I think if they do that, if they're able to bring in a competent backup, they are still in pretty good position. Like I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is a long-term answer, but they can obviously win with him. If he's there, they just can't go in with only him because of his injury history. So they have to find either a backup or replace them as a starter. But I do think that they will do something. That's the only way I am going to be heavily critical of them is if they roll into the season next year going, yeah, we got Jimmy Garoppolo and like CJ Beathard. Like if they don't do anything, then yeah, you're going to get criticism. But even if they have to keep Jimmy because nothing else worked out, as long as they get a competent backup, they're in pretty good position. I hate the confident backup plan. (laughs) Kyle Posey said it, and he's 100% right. If you need a better backup, you need a better starter. And that's just the long and short of it. But let me get to my crazy quarterback idea that I haven't told you about ahead of time because I want your honest reaction. Let's say the 49ers decide to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. They need a quarterback, but you know what, Kyle, he doesn't want to go with the rookie because he feels like this team is in win now and he wants somebody that gives them a real shot to win a Super Bowl. What if I told you that they could potentially acquire a quarterback that not only has experience getting to a Super Bowl, has experience winning a Super Bowl, in fact, winning multiple Super Bowls, you would have to give up something to acquire him, but I don't think it would be super crazy 
Dude, Trent Dilfer is like 50 years old. <laughs> it's not Trent Dilfer. It's Ben Roethlisberger from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kevin Colbert, don't, don't poo-poo, let me finish. Kevin Colbert, the GM there, just spoke to the ownership there, and he talked to ESPN, and he said that he met with Ben, and they met with the ownership, and Ben said that he reiterated to the team he wants to continue to play, but the team told him we have to look at his current situation. Now, of course, the current situation means his $41 million cap hit. Obviously, there would have to be some negotiation, some, you know, shifting of numbers, yada, yada, yada. But don't tell me it can't be done because I just saw Jared Goff with the worst contract in the world get traded and the Lions happily acquired him. So don't tell me it can't be done. Well, why are you poo-pooing this idea? uh, Because he might be my least favorite favorite quarterback not named Brett Favre of all time I mean okay there's a lot of reasons to dislike him in a, in addition to him going to my rival college around the time I was in school I think oh, I God. started going there like right as he was leaving in addition to that he's a pretty terrible person like that ship sailed years ago with what he was doing in his off seasons we don't need to get into all that but he is the type of person I would be very, very hard to ever root for. So if the Niners get him, I am going to have a really hard time actually rooting for the Niners. I dislike him to that degree because of what he's done in his past, period. Okay. And I understand that. That's totally logical, totally understandable. Just from a football perspective, is it an upgrade? Mm, That's a difficult one. Is it an upgrade? Maybe simply due to health. I think talent-wise, Jimmy and Big Ben at this point are pretty equal. They're not the same quarterback, but overall, I think they're pretty equal. Big Ben is not the Big Ben of old. Like He he struggles. He's kind of entering the Drew Brees phase of his career if he continues to hang on to where he can't pass deep very well and not very often. I will say that Big Ben already came out weeks ago and said that he's very open to making – changes to his contract to help them so i don't think it's likely he leaves unless the only way i can see it is pittsburgh might be going into the mindset of we need to rebuild and to it's pointless to have big ben so they might just not be interested in having big ben period even if he's willing to take a massive pay cut like that's possible i think the pouncy retirement pushes them towards that line of thinking because it's pretty clear that they were missing some things and now they've gotten worse like the chances of them actually winning a super bowl now are extremely unlikely but they do have this young core so it might be time for them to go out and get a young quarterback that's going to be difficult with where they draft but you know there's a possibility pittsburgh flat says that's nice big ben that you're willing to only make 10 million this year but we're just simply not interested that's possible i think it's unlikely But I will say, so people know, because not everybody listens to every episode, I moved to Pittsburgh a year ago, so I'm kind of in this market. And one of the things that surprised me is as big of a franchise and as successful of a franchise quarterback as Big Ben has been here in Pittsburgh, the city's lukewarm on him. He's not like this beloved person. You know what I mean? Like, I've literally asked people what they think of Big Ben and 
it's mixed. Like some people are like, screw them, move on. Some people are like, <laughs> like you don't hear that about other like all time great franchise quarterbacks, especially when there's no good backup. Like Joe Montana, Steve Young was a little bit different because you had an MVP level quarterback backing up Joe Montana. You know what I mean? Like, but you didn't hear that from like Saints fans, like screw Drew Brees, let's move on. You know, you hear that a big, big Ben. And I find that extremely interesting. It's been one of the things that I've been most shocked about moving here is that big Ben is not like this God here. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. Like you said, he he's tough to root for, for a lot of reasons. I think that's totally legitimate and understandable. I just look at him. I was just watching some film because I, I sort of floated it out in the text chain to Kyle and Akash. And they were both like, you're a moron. He's terrible. Look at the game film at the end of last year. So I started watching. I literally watched the week 16 game against the Colts. You know, he's not doing anything that's, you know, he's not Patrick Mahomes out there, but I saw him make a lot of good plays. He got rid of the ball quick. He hit a couple of deep passes. I just wonder if the Niners were to acquire him if he could do what Kyle wants from his quarterbacks, stand in there, be able to come off your first read, make a throw, maybe extend a play a little, just a tiny bit. Like he can do it better than Jimmy. Jimmy doesn't do it at all. And I'm, he wouldn't be my first choice. He wouldn't be my second choice. He wouldn't be my third choice. But what I'm saying is like, we're getting down to it now where I'm going to have to start sorting through the guys with warts. So Ben's in that group. If you're going to sort through guys with warts, you might as well just stick with Jimmy. No, no. I w- I've seen that movie before, Levin. Yeah, and the movie with Big Ben is not great. Like, the way I would look at it is if they're equal talent-wise, if I take out the personal things that I don't want Big Ben for, talent-wise, I think they're pretty equal right now. But Jimmy still has the ability to get slightly better. I don't think he has super high upside. He anymore. does? He's 30. Yes. From what he was last year? Yeah. Well, that's a low bar. Like, whereas Big Ben, what's his trajectory possibility? It's possible he stays what he was last year, which is an average quarterback. But it's also possible he falls off a freaking cliff. Like, he's at that age, and I would argue his arm is extremely concerning because of the injuries he's had directly affect his throwing arm. And let's be honest. Like he is not the type of quarterback that's ever taken care of himself in any kind of seriousness. <laughs> no, like, he is not. He finally like literally did it this past off season. Like he's like, like I remember hearing stuff going in the season that like big Ben's actually in shape and doesn't have like dad bod out there. Like, like, okay, dude, you, you're like 10 years late in this. Like, <laughs> well, I'm not again, like I'm not saying they marry him. It'd be a one year thing. Like they obviously it'd be a short term thing. And that's the other part of it. What's the point? Well, you if you know think, he's playing one more year. What is the point? If you think that it's a Super Bowl window, then that's what you're looking at. One year. Let, let me win a Super Bowl. And then you know what? If I got another Lombardi trophy in the case, then I'll worry about who my quarterback is after the victory parade. Yeah, but he's not truly an upgrade over Jimmy in my mind. Like, only due to injury, but if you're sitting here praying, hey, we got this average quarterback, maybe we can win a Super Bowl, you might as well stick with the guy you already have on the roster that's already seen as a leader in the locker room, then go with the one-year rental. Like, what is the point? You're not truly getting an upgrade. You're just getting a guy that might stay healthier, which Big Ben isn't a health risk at this point. At his age and the fact that he missed an entire season just last, you know, not this past season, but the season before. By the way, I, I hate this period of time in the offseason 
because you never know whether to say this season or next season or, or what. <laughs> like it, it gets murky because people might mistake what you mean. I, I agree that he wouldn't be a massive upgrade. I do think he would be an upgrade, and I just can't run it back again. I've seen enough Garoppolo to know that I've seen too much, and that, that's just where I am. And I, I hate it because I don't like the options that are available at, the, at this point if they don't get Watson. And so, you know, this is what I'm left. I feel like I'm at the Walmart going through. I need to buy a movie, but I don't have a lot of money. So I'm going through that big box they put near the movies you actually want to buy. And it's all like the old stuff. And you're digging through trying to find like the diamond in the rough. That's where I am with 49ers quarterbacks. You know, so I haven't put this out there. It's something I actually planned on writing about later this week. But I view at the Niners as the team looking at quarterbacks that can just sit and wait on the Deshaun Watson thing. Like they are in a great position to wait it out because the sense is Houston's not going to act right now. They're just going to be stubborn about it. I think personally, the vibe I get is that they're not going to act until they're forced to by Deshaun Watson sitting out of training camp. The Niners are in perfect position to just sit and like I said, they still need to address the backup just in case they don't get Deshaun Watson. But to sit with Jimmy and wait on the Deshaun Watson thing, because the thing is, is if they have Jimmy Garoppolo going into the season, that doesn't mean they have to stick with him. If they're able to get like Deshaun Watson a week or two into the season when Houston finally blinks, when it becomes apparent Deshaun Watson is just not going to show up or whatever that is, if that scenario comes, they can trade Jimmy in season. Like I said, like, I'm pretty sure New England would be like, okay, sure. Here's a fifth round pick or something. Certainly the draft compensation would probably go down. You're probably going to be able to trade Jimmy now for a little bit more, which I do think it's overblown. People saying that Jimmy can't be traded. Nobody's interested. Nobody's interested because the Niners are not willing to truly look into it at this point because they don't have an option outside of Jimmy until they do. I think everybody around the league knows the Niners aren't trading Jimmy. Yeah, I think that's fair. But here's why I think the Texans can't wait until after the draft. Because if they wanted to move him today, literally during this recording, they could get four first-round picks from the Jets. And the best part about that is they wouldn't have to actually wait four years to to get the full benefit of those picks because the Jets have two firsts this year and they have two firsts next year, thanks to the Jamal Adams trade. So – if you're the if you're the Texans, that's better for you to be able to get the full bounty for your trade in just two years instead of having to wait four years to do it. So, I mean, Jack Easter or not Jack Easterby, I'm sorry, Nick Casario might not even be the GM in four years. Who knows? David Culley might not be the head coach in four years. They're not going to want to wait to use all those picks. But if they wait until after the draft when the Jets have already used those picks, they don't get the benefit of that. So to me, I feel like it has to get done before the draft. And if you're Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, I mean, look, I know that this is against the rules in the NFL, but clearly it happens. We just saw it happen with the Rams and the Lions and Stafford and how he ended up there. If you're Kyle, someone from the Niners, you have to, have to find a way to get in Deshaun Watson's ear or his agent's ear and pitch him and say, look, with your ability and my game plans and my scheming, We'd be unstoppable. Here's how we want to use you. Here's why you'd be good at it. Here's why we would kick ass. And 
you got to start putting that bug in his ear and tell him to flex his muscle with his no trade clause. You have to do that, don't you? Like you're speaking from a logical standpoint. I talked about that two weeks ago. I don't think the Houston Texans are going to think logically. They have not shown anything this offseason <laughs> that they are thinking logically. Like you're trying to come at it from what makes sense. Nobody disagrees that the Houston Texans are better off trading him right now. The problem is they're in the denial stage. They're that clinger that says, no, we're not over. And Deshaun Watson says, no, we're over. We're not a couple anymore. And they're still showing up going, no, we're not over. Like, why, why are you looking at these other options? We're together. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like they're that clinger, like Houston has not made any sense. I mean, they literally pissed off their franchise quarterback. Who's 25 years old to the point that he's demanding a trade. They're not exactly smart. I said that two weeks ago that the the way it seems like it's going to play out to me is the Houston Texans are not going to face it. They're going to try to be in denial. They're going to be stupid and think, hey, if we can convince him, like call his bluff and he plays another year and we start getting some young players in here, he, he'll come around. Like that seems to be what they're doing right now. And yeah, they will absolutely get the most value trading him now because the problem with waiting and i said this two weeks ago is if you wait and you trade him for future picks after the draft those future picks are with a team that has deshaun watson on their team whereas if you trade him now and you get draft picks in this draft you get a high draft pick you know what i mean like if they trade for four futures from the jets starting say training camp they trade him those futures are probably going to be at best in the middle of the first round so yeah their value it makes sense to trade him right now. They're just not making sense. Nothing they've done has made sense. Well, that would be part of my pitch if I was, if I were the Jets and if I was Joe Douglas, that would be part of my pitch to the Houston Texans when I called him up is, you want to use these picks sooner rather than later. You got to move this guy. All right, Levin, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to get to my J.J. Watt question and just a bigger picture question that revolves around J.J. Watt. Are the 49ers a destination team still? So we'll do that after the break. Welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast. Okay, Levin, before we went to break, I posed a quarterback idea of Ben Roethlisberger that you have shot down mercilessly. Thank you very much. Now I want to get to a, sort of a bigger picture idea with the Niners. And this was inspired by a tweet from DeAndre Hopkins I saw kind of recruiting J.J. Watt to come to the Arizona Cardinals. If you had asked me going into 2020, I would have said the 49ers were absolutely a destination team, a team that guys would want to come to and play and try and win a Super Bowl. After the season they had in 2020, are they still that team? Or do you think that they are not, there's nothing special about them to other free agents around the league? I think the question mark at the quarterback position is making them not a destination right now. Like, I think they're still, still up there. They're just not like, one of the destinations they're still a good destination but not not the destination because there's so much uncertainty about what the future of this team is because of the quarterback position solely i think due to the quarterback position the narrative around jimmy is not good so if you're from on the outside not really knowing the dynamic not knowing the inside the locker room the leadership of Jimmy or any of that and what the team's actually looking to do at the quarterback position, it would be something that makes me weary and makes me look at other options, makes me consider, you know, for JJ Watt, I, I would personally say, 
Green Bay is a more attractive place to go. It's going home and it's going to Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it necessarily makes sense for him because they already have a dynamite pass rush, but that's a different topic, maybe for a Green Bay Packers podcast. But <laughs> uh, JJ Watt, like as far as recruiting, you know, you brought up that who's recruiting. Really, it used to be Sherman. Now, Kittle kind of makes jokes. Like, I think he responded to, I can't remember if it was DeAndre Hopkins or he responded to a different one regarding J.J. Watt saying, like, chill, bro, or something like that. Yeah, I think it was. (laughs) I think that was it. (laughs) Trying to cool it off. See, I think that Kittle could be that guy. I wonder if Kittle is not doing it publicly, but maybe doing it privately. I also wonder if Jimmy is doing that. Like, he seems like the type of guy that I think does. Look, there's a lot we don't see about Jimmy. Like there's a, there is some reason why everybody still has his back so strongly. And people have talked about, like, you've seen little things that like Jimmy kind of gets, gets these guys together. Like he hangs out with them in the off season. You don't see it. He's more of a behind the scenes kind of guy. So I could see Jimmy doing it. Now is Jimmy doing it when he doesn't think he's going to be on the team? I don't <laughs> he ain't know. Doing it this year? <laughs> no, I don't. Honestly, like he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. He doesn't strike me as like a grinder, super hard worker guy. He strikes me more, honestly, of a Ben Roethlisberger guy. Like, hey, I'm here. I'll do it. You know, I'm not going to be partying every night, but I'm not going to go crazy in the gym at five o'clock in the morning. Like, he doesn't strike me as the rise and grind guy. He strikes me as the type of guy that is very much about locker room and about improving the team like he to me he is like a very team loyalist type person so that's why i think he could be one of those recruiters behind the scenes so do you want jj watt here yes i i've argued this on twitter because some people say he's not a fit you know yeah he can't play the nine tech guess what like you can adjust things for players him I think him and Eric Armstead lining up next to each other would be such a dominant duo because both of them can go inside or outside. So I think stunts become a very big thing with them. Like I, I, I see them as kind of at this stage, they're similar players. You know, JJ Watt obviously was a much better player in his past, but at this stage, him and him and Eric Armstead are kind of like similar levels and similar uh, players where they go inside and outside and they go back and forth. I think that makes a lot of sense because JJ Watt helps against the run and helps against the pass. And I think, like I said, like he kind of shores up that line, a line with Nick Bosa, Kinlaw, JJ Watt and Armstead is dominant against the run and dominant at getting to the quarterback. Like it, it fits a lot of things. Now there would be some techniques and schemes that would have to change because yeah, he's not a nine tech and Armstead was kind of wasted on the outside. He got forced to stay on the outside last year and he's clearly not nearly as good of a pass rusher from the outside as he was from the inside the year before, but you can make it work. Uh, See, I think, yeah, I agree with you. Okay. Scheme wise, he might not fit, whatever. Like you, you change the scheme, get in there and rush the passer. Like, come on, we can figure this out. It's not rocket science. It's football. We, We can adapt. Um, I love the idea of even if he wasn't, you know, an every down lineman, he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to be a guy that plays every single snap. I think there's an absolute role for him. Plus, I love the idea of him getting in there with Kinlaw, 
with Bosa, you know, everybody sharing that knowledge, just being inside the locker room. I think there's a lot of value there. Uh, I think it would be a nice move for the 49ers. I don't think that's where he's going to go, especially because I think there'll be other teams that can pay him a little more than the Niners would be able to. But I, when it first happened, I was like, oh, this would be great. And I know that, you know, he's had some injury history, but the Niners do have a need opposite Bosa on the other end of the line. And I would love to see it, even if I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. JJ Watt, it's a very interesting situation because he's made a hundred million in his career and he has obviously endorsements because he still does subway commercials constantly. He doesn't necessarily need money, but at the same time, it's his last chance to get money. So like, figuring out what his motivating factor is is interesting because there's a lot of possibilities you know like pittsburgh i think it's highly unlikely just because of their cap situation but yeah it's possible that he said it's truly a unique situation to be able to play with both of my brothers i'll play for the vet minimum because he's made so much that's the only way i can see him going to pittsburgh but then green bay makes a lot of sense he goes home you know he's from the milwaukee suburbs Mm -hmm. and they have some money and then I think Arizona could make sense. If Arizona can't re-sign Hassan Riddick, like it would make sense that they go and replace the pass rush that they need with J.J. Watt. Like there's a lot of possibilities here. You know, there's other teams that could come in and just throw a boatload of cash at him. Like it all depends on what his motivating factor is. And he tweeted three hours ago, free agency is wild which to me means that he has had all sorts of teams coming at him, maybe all sorts of players from teams, you know, everybody trying to convince him to go with their squad. I mean, honestly, he may have had dudes from the Buccaneers reach out to him and say, Hey, if you want a ring, we just did it. Like come with us. You've seen what our defensive line is. You know, he, it'd be a team where like, he doesn't have to do it all. He's not going to be the guy getting double teamed on that line. So like, it'd be fascinating. He's going to have a bunch of options. I just, that's why I mean, like when I say the 49ers are a destination franchise, they don't strike me as the team that's going to be able to win that sweepstakes. No, you think Russell Wilson has called him and be like, Hey, come be unlimited. God, <laughs> if, if that was the call, I would hang up. It'd be the shortest call ever. I had to get that joke in there. <laughs> I mean, we don't even know if Russell Wilson's going to be in Seattle next year for all. I don't we even know. know if he's willing to recruit. It is like, there was a period there for like a couple of days when I was like, man, the 49ers have the worst quarterback in the NFC West. And then I was like, if they trade for Watson and Russell Wilson leaves Seattle, they'd have the best quarterback in the NFC West. Like they could literally shift from that in one off season. If those two things happen, I don't, I don't think they're going to happen, but it is wild how it could have swung that way. Yeah. I mean, I would argue if they get to Sean Watson, regardless of what happens with Wilson, they have the best quarterback. Yeah. That's a totally legitimate argument. Um, and uh, last thing, Kyle Posey's third offseason plan for the Niners went up a few days ago, and it's the one where they have them. He has them trading up to number two or number three. I can't remember which, but ending up with Justin Fields. You're on board with that plan, right? Yeah. Of the quarterbacks that the Niners could get, you know, you take Trevor Lawrence out of the equation. I would rather have. I'm fine with any of the three. Let me just say that so I don't get people coming at me. Fields, Lance, and Wilson. Yes, it's in that order. Like I, oh, okay. I think Fields is the one that's ready to go now. I personally like Lance's upside more, and I like where you could get him potentially more. Like if you told me trade up and get 
get Fields at two, or you can stay at 12 and get Lance. I would rather do the Lance part of it. But you can't – that's not guaranteed. You, you, you know, you can't count on somebody falling, especially a quarterback with as crazy of a high side as Trey Lance. But Fields is the guy that I would be most confident in getting because he's ready now, and I think he has very high upside as well. You know, Lance, like I said, he has the biggest upside of anybody because of what he is as a runner and his body. I mean, he's a huge freaking guy. Zach Wilson, I said it before, like, I'm okay with them if they go get him, but his injury history worries me because he's literally had surgery on his throwing shoulder. That That's the Zach Wilson rub that I have. Still okay if they go get him. It's just that one worries me more than these other two guys. You mentioned the possibility of them, you know, in a perfect world, staying at 12 and having one of those guys be there. I actually wrote about that on Niners Nation this week. I'm not even so sure that it, like if Trey Lance was there at 12 and the Niners didn't have to give up anything and all they had to do was just take him, I'm still not sure that they would. I'm wondering if that scenario happened, Lynch and Shanahan might just trade down. They might just say, hey, somebody, you know, there's going to be a quarterback team that wants him and we can get a bunch of picks. They've talked, I mean, Adam Peters just talked this week about how important this draft pick is and how much they value those picks because they can restock their team with cheap young talent. Part of me wonders if even if that one of those guys was there, that they would still pass on it, which if that happened, by the way, that would be the end of 49ers Twitter. It would just burst into flame. It all depends on where they rate Mac Jones, because if they do that, that tells me they're trading down and getting Mac Jones. You know what I mean? Like if they rate Trey Lance and Mac Jones as equals, yeah, trading down to 15, 16, 17 range and then getting Mac Jones would make all the sense in the world from their point of view. I would disagree with it. I think Mac Jones is an okay prospect. I mean, obviously, we're talking about something that the variables are crazy because it's the draft. Like, guys who go in the fifth round, turn, you know, or put it this way, Russell Wilson went in the third round. Like, I'm not as high on Mac Jones as I am Trey Lance. That doesn't mean I'm not wrong. You know what I mean? Like, everybody has been wrong when it comes to that stuff. But I would certainly be less excited. I would be personally annoyed if they – have the chance to get Lance and they pass but you know the the Peters thing you brought it up people are taking that as oh the Niners are definitely not going for Deshaun Watson now it's like that's if you look at the situation that's not necessarily what it means because he was saying that this year draft picks are so much more important because of the lower cap well guess what if the Niners get Deshaun Watson they save like almost 13 I think it's like 13 14 million going from Deshaun Watson to Jimmy Garoppolo this year. Now that changes in future years, but it's this year he was stressing about. So trading, you know, your first first round pick this year plus future first round picks means that this year cap wise, you save a ton of money because you save the money going from Deshaun Watson to Jimmy Garoppolo and you save the money from not having a first round pick, which first round picks are paid a lot more than other draft picks. Yeah, I I took the Peters thing as they ain't trading anything. Honestly, like that was my first impression. I was like, if they think these picks are this valuable, which not just Peters has said that. Kyle said that in January, or maybe it was February, their, their end of season press conference. Kyle said it, John said it. Kyle has said it throughout the regular season last year that they view this draft as one of the most important for the franchise. And if that's the case, then they're not going to be moving those picks. And they're certainly not going to move enough to beat out the other teams that are willing to move picks. 
Well, there's something else that Peter said that kind of makes everything that he said pointless. Like you can't take any of it uh, strongly or think, well, that's that's what they're doing. He talked about how they do smoke screens. They don't send scouts to certain players that they're interested in. Like they didn't contact, they stayed away from Mike McGlinchey at the combine because they didn't want teams to know they were interested. Like this team, and sorry, I should say, John Lynch mentioned that they, he went to Mahomes sim, pro day simply as a smoke screen for the other teams. So it's clear that this team and this regime is very, very big on making other teams guess at, at their true directions. So them saying we super value our draft picks this year, especially with COVID, could simply be them sending a message to Houston of, hey, our draft picks are incredibly valuable. So if you want them, like you're going to have to give us Deshaun Watson and you know you might not get as much as you want or any other quarterback they're chasing because there could be other quarterbacks they're chasing in trade. Like that could be a smokescreen, him saying that. You don't know. But that is a dumb strategy to take if you're trying to get Deshaun Watson because Houston's going to be like great guess what I don't want your draft picks I'll go Carolina's draft picks or the Jets or Miami like you you're trying to play hardball with me I have the thing that you want you don't you don't get to dictate that to me I tell you what's up yes but there's there's a lot like this is the lesson I have personally learned over the years that I try to remind myself we don't know jack about what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know if Deshaun Watson has told them, here are the teams I'm willing to go to make it happen. He might've already done that ultimatum. We don't know who's actually willing to come to the table. We all thought the Niners were in huge on Stafford and were the leaders in the clubhouse and it was about to happen. And it turns out they barely even truly went in on him. Like they came in with a certain offer. They heard what the other offers were and they said, cool, we're out. <laughs> like you, we don't know if Caroline is willing to throw a boatload of picks to get Deshaun Watson. We don't know if the Jets are willing to throw a boatload of picks. They might be truly saying, we are good with Darnold. We're not interested in trading a bunch of picks to get Deshaun Watson because we believe in Darnold so much. You don't know. Like everybody yeah. loves to talk about like, oh, all these teams are super interested. You got to win the bidding war. We don't actually know that. Like uh, there I, are I teams it. out there that are stupid when it comes to draft picks that think, I don't care who the player is. I'm never trading three first round picks because my first round picks are so valuable to me because they get lost in what the draft is. If there's not a lot of teams willing to give up draft picks for a 25 year old top three quarterback who just signed a new deal, then there's a lot of stupid teams. I'll just say that. I mean, we know there are a lot of stupid teams. <laughs> That's why so. there's so many GMs that come and go and coaches that come and go. Cause there's a lot of stupid people out there that are running teams. It is what it is. Like getting the right GM is a difficult thing. And some GMs get lost in the ego of it. And I really think that's part of it is that they go, I want to build my team through the draft so that I get all the credit. Because if I just trade draft picks for the, for an already developed guy, like they don't get nearly as much credit. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's part of it. Some GMs go, I want to be the guy that built this team. So I'm building through the draft. You don't get any extra points for building through the draft. I like that. You know, there's a lot of people on Twitter I've been arguing with about this. Like, you don't get extra points for building through the draft. You don't get extra points for sticking to your process, which I feel like sometimes the 49ers fall into that trap a little bit too much too. Like, there's no bonus points for this. It's a pass-fail business. You either win the Super Bowl or you don't. And the 49ers haven't since 1994. They've been close a couple of times, but they just haven't made the right moves to get tipped over the top. And I just hate to see us teetering 
on that position again, and then only to fall all the way back down the mountain one more time. It is what it is. This is the nature of the beast. This gets back to how confident are you in John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan? I'm pretty confident in them. I have said, and I think the Peters actually quotes, that's the one thing I truly took from his quotes that I would say is a concrete, this confirms that. John Lynch is the perfect GM to be paired with Kyle Shanahan. We know Kyle Shanahan has an ego. We know or we're extremely confident that he has final say. You know, it's never been technically confirmed, but he has final say, Kyle Shanahan. So it takes a GM that can swallow his ego. It takes a GM that is willing to do all the things that a GM has to do, but not necessarily get the credit because the coach is going to get the credit. And John Lynch has done that. Like how many regimes would be able to go through four years, have three losing seasons, including going to the Super Bowl and then having a disaster of a season like this past season and not have the head coach and the GM butting heads and saying, well, I wanted this and you wanted that and blah, 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 and them arguing. We've seen none of that because John Lynch, I think, is willing to swallow his ego. And to tie that together, Peter's talked about how their front office really works as a team and there's a lot of mutual respect there and they are willing to kind of go back and forth and really truly value the opinion of the other people in the room and that's one of the reasons why they've worked like that's one of the reasons why I am so very confident in that those two guys are the right people I mean has it worked you lost 10 games in three out of four years so I mean it's worked. I mean, they got to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know they've had injuries. Yeah, there's a lot of context there. I, I totally get that. But if you're just looking at it from an X's and O, from a win-loss perspective, it hasn't worked. In fact, it's failed pretty spectacularly. Yeah, but life in reality is not black and white like that. The reality is they took over a horrendous roster. They rebuilt it. It is one of the best rosters in the league. It is set up for success now. And I think in the future, they've been able to do that without being in a situation where they have to like go all in. You know what I mean? The only thing that has really bit them in the ass is they have not been able to fully solve the quarterback situation. But how much of that is their fault? They got one of the big wins when they got Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that was a massive win when it happened, when the trade went down. That was a guy that everybody thought would cost at least a first-round pick, and they got him for a second-round pick. If Jimmy stayed healthy, which, yes, like we know Jimmy Garoppolo now is injury-prone, but at the time of the trade, you couldn't really know that. He had had the one shoulder injury, but you couldn't really know that. So they made the absolute best decision, and they had solved their quarterback position, but injuries happen, and that's kind of destroyed that, so we're back into this quarterback game. But their regime did one of the hardest tasks. They went out and got a quarterback they could win with. Just so happens he's been getting injured. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like they have succeeded in rebuilding the roster, building the defense, building the offense. They actually went out and got a quarterback they could win with. It just, they got the bad luck of the quarterback can't stay healthy. I, and I get that. I get the context. I'm just saying there aren't a lot of regimes that get this many honeymoon years, so to speak, this many years of, okay, this doesn't count. Okay. I know this, I know you lost 10 games, but, but there were these circumstances, like at some point, the extenuating circumstances stop and you don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. And I know they both got new contracts, but it's hard to keep praising them as being this success when all the evidence shows that they have not been a success. Yes. 
Like, I understand what you're saying. Basically, the argument you're making is somebody looking at Jimmy Garoppolo's record and saying, look at his win-loss record. He's great. Or somebody looking at a quarterback stats and just looking at the stats and saying, this guy's great without doing any of the eye test or any of the stuff that doesn't show up in a box score. It is very clear. Anybody who watches the games, Kyle Shanahan is an excellent head coach. I he comes up with phenomenal schemes. He is a great leader of men. Like how many coaches would be able to have their win loss record over these four years and still have the team 100% backing him and not having the team kind of imploding in that locker room, having like a horrible toxic locker room. Like that's a credit to Kyle Shanahan. And then at the same time, like John Lynch, at least, from what I see is pretty well respected all around the league. People are willing to take his calls and he's able to have conversations. I believe that maybe other people who don't have that level of respect around the league can't like how many people would have been able to call Bill Belichick and ask about Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo without Bill Belichick saying, screw you. I'm never talking to you again. You just insulted me. Instead, Bill Belichick <laughs> picks up the phone a couple months later and says, here's Jimmy Garoppolo on a freaking gold platter. Like that, that to me speaks of the respect part of that was Kyle Shanahan, but part of that was also John Lynch. No, I understand what you're saying. And I agree with you. I agree that we need to look at the context, but at some point that runs out. Like if Kyle Shanahan has four more years where he loses 10 games in three of them and makes another Super Bowl, yeah. I don't know. Like, yes, at know. some point it does run out. You've talked about it. You brought it up. The, the, the Niners were able to kind of pass the buck on the having to truly go out on a limb. This regime hasn't truly had to go out on a limb choosing a quarterback because Jimmy Garoppolo fell in their laps. This offseason is them having to go out on a limb. It's normally a decision that you see in the first year or two of a yep. regime. The Niners have been able to kick it down the road, but now we have arrived at that season. So I would argue that the Niners are kind of in a what a regime would normally be their first year. Like they have to go out on a limb and make the quarterback decision. And whether that succeeds or fails means they're either going to be around much longer or in a year or two, we're coming back at them and saying, you messed up. Somebody's head has to roll. And like we talked about a few weeks ago, there aren't that many guys that are currently with this 49ers organization that we can confidently say will be there in four years. No, and that's part of it. Like, and I think Lynch and Shanahan aren't included in that. We're sort of confident that Kyle will be there, but not like not a hundred percent confident. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, this off season, you're right. It's the, it's the fork in the road. It's the division point. It's the turning point for the whole regime. So we'll find out. And I, I can't wait. I keep saying it. I can't wait. I love it. I'm like literally on the NFL show. We're talking about, we did five bold predictions yesterday. I did it with uh, BLG. He's talking about Dak Prescott getting traded to the Patriots and Russell Wilson ended up with the Cowboys. Like lots of fun stuff could be happening. That reminds me of a topic I saw on Twitter and I wanted to strangle people because it, it became like a thing on Niners, but the, it was, uh, I forget, it might've been Bleacher Report tweeted it out, like their national one. Like which, which past uh, years would you rather have? The Bucks only making the playoffs like three times, but actually winning the Super Bowl, or the Packers who have made the playoffs almost every year and have made four conference championships, but haven't won a Super Bowl. Like this, it was starting from the last time the Packers won a Super Bowl. Like, duh, I want the Super Bowl title. Like, look at the Seahawks. Like, I, I hated that topic. So I, 
happen. It just popped in my head. And it, it's one of those topics, like, I don't understand people who are voting, oh, I would rather have, like, all the years of winning but never winning at all. You know how frustrated and mad the fan base would be if that was happening? You would be the Seattle Seahawks right now who are, like, when they lost in the playoffs, they were coming out after Russell Wilson because he keeps failing in the playoffs. That's the boat you would be in if you chose the pack. I just don't get that. Yeah, I don't know if I agree. I don't know. Look, I'm a, I bring it up often. I'm a Mariners fan, right? Misery, misery, misery. That is what I have had. I've described my relationship with the Mariners as an abusive relationship because all they do is make me feel bad about myself and inflict pain on me. Even if they, I've thought about this, even if they win the World Series this year, that doesn't make up for the fact that I'm 36 years old and haven't seen a playoff berth from the Mariners since 2001, even though a championship would be great. Like those, eventually those two things don't balance out. There's only so many years of losing that can be wiped away with a title. Yeah. I just disagree. Like if you don't win the Super Bowl, like how, how does the taste feel in your mouth when you think of the Super Bowl losses? Oh, I hate it. Yeah. You hate it. It sticks with you. It's misery. Like, that misery, to me, is so much stronger and sticks with you so much longer than just a simple losing season. I don't want that. Like that is the last thing I want. I would rather be five and eleven with a high draft pick. You know what I mean? Like, at least then you're excited for the draft. Like after the season, when you lose a game and you thought you were going to win the Super Bowl, like whether it's the Super Bowl or the national, you know, one of the conference championships like when you thought your team was truly the going to be the super bowl champion like that bugs you for months on end like i'm still bothered about the super bowl i don't know how people like you rewatch the freaking super bowl i have no interest in rewatching that game i can't uh, i watch it every week um but think about like how do you feel on sunday night and monday when the 49ers lose just during the regular season like i'm miserable when they lose, I hate it. And then we have to talk about it. And I have to hear other people talk about it. Why we lost, why the quarterback stinks, why Kyle Shanahan's an idiot. Like that makes me feel horrible. When you're good, even if you don't win the Super Bowl, most of those weeks in the regular season, it's the complete opposite, right? You feel great. Like Kyle Shanahan's a genius. No one can stop the 49ers run game. If you just take those individual weeks and add them up as a whole, even though you don't win the Super Bowl, you still feel good more than you feel bad. Does that make sense? It makes, I understand what you're saying. I should put it that way. I understand what you're saying. I completely disagree because when I look back on the 2019 Niners, I have to like actually fight my own brain to remember the good moments because all I think about is how it ended. Like I don't, you don't look back on the 2019 season and be like oh yeah that was such a great year i had so much fun during that year no first you think about freak we lost the super bowl we should have won that (laughs) oh but yeah there were a lot of good moments like that's the secondary part of it i don't know like you have to actually like mentally force yourself to remember the good moments when a season ends that way yeah you do have to remember the good moments because it's a bitter pill to swallow but i mean think about that season it was an awesome year the Niners were in all these close games. Like, remember, there was like a six week stretch where every game came down to basically the final play. It was incredible. The final week of the season, we beat the Seahawks in Seattle because we stopped Russell Wilson on the one yard line to claim the number one seed. Like, that's incredible. 
Yeah, yeah, it was incredible, but you know, you said it's a bitter pill to swallow. I still haven't swallowed it. I'm still choking <laughs> on it. Until the Niners have a winning season again and get into the playoffs, I'm going to be choking on that pill. And it was the same way on the last Super Bowl loss. Like when the Niners truly fell off and the Harbaugh era ended, like I was choking on that pill for years until Kyle Shanahan. And I actually had like real hope because we didn't have Jim Tom Sula as our freaking head coach. You know, <laughs> I, I, I guess it sticks with me. Like I, I can't swallow that pill. I'm still choking on it because we haven't any, anything to make me move on. Yeah. But if you had 10 years of Jim Tom Sula with one Super Bowl in the middle, you would take that. You'd be happy over like a, Say went, going to the playoffs eight times, making the conference championships four times, but never going past that, which is what basically the Packers are. Yes, I would absolutely take the Super Bowl title because, like, when you win the title, nothing will ever change that season. Like, there's there's no like you look back on it and you're like, oh, but that happened. Like, you don't. Like, it's all bliss, and you can look back on it. Like. I personally think back to the Cubs championship, the Cubs championship. I still can look back on that 2016 season and instantly have a smile on my face. I can't look back on the 2019 Niners season and instantly have a smile on my face. Like I said, the good parts come after I go, we freaking lost the game. You know, after I get mad all over again, like I, I can't. But what about playoff seasons that don't, end in a trip to the Super Bowl. You don't look back on those seasons and think they were good years? They kind of get lost to me. Like the Harbaugh year in 2011, when they lost to the Giants in the NFC Championship game. You don't look back on that season as a great season? I do. I couldn't freaking believe they were winning all these games. Harbaugh came in, there was the lockout. Like, I had no idea they were going to be that good. And they were awesome. That defense was awesome. You don't look back on that year as a great year? Yes and no. Like, I look back and go, yeah, that was a good year. Oh, yeah, but that's how it ended. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's always a caveat to the happiness with that. There's always something attached to it that stops you from truly being able to enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, the the knowledge of knowing that it ended up in a loss means I can never fully feel good about the season because that's always going to be on the back of my mind. Even when I'm trying to remember a, even a specific good moment, there's still going to be something in my brain going, yeah, but they ended up losing. Yeah, but I mean, I just, I think you're choosing a lot of misery. I think overall you're choosing more unhappiness. I'm a Cubs fan. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> misery, misery, misery. That's what you've chosen. Just keep Kathy Bates away from me. Oh, God. All right. I think Kathy Bates is a good place to leave this episode. We remind you again, rate, review, and subscribe. Please, please, please. They really do help, and we do appreciate it. Enjoy all the craziness, embrace it, and hopefully we are not talking about another 10-loss season for the 49ers in 2021.